This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. This is The Art of Change from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. I'm David Schifrin. The Art of Change focuses on the fundamental human dynamic at the center of healthcare. We are exploring why change is so hard and how healthcare leaders can make it happen. For more, including previous articles and interviews, check out aoc.gerardinc.com. That's aoc.jarrardinc.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to get all of our thinking in your inbox each week, including the latest Art of Change. Now, this conversation is the first of two with Dr. David Pate. Dr. Pate came to St. Luke's Health System as CEO in August of 2009. Over the past decade of his leadership, the organization has undergone significant change, as has been the case across the healthcare industry. But Dr. Pate and the rest of St. Luke's leadership, including the board and executive team, have not spent that time simply reacting to changing dynamics. Instead, they have worked hard to understand where healthcare and medicine is headed, what the Idaho community needs today and will need tomorrow, and then how St. Luke's can provide for those needs while also leading on necessary change. As a result, Dr. Pate has spent significant time listening to stakeholders across the state and also telling a story about where care is headed. In this first part, we talk about listening, how he has done it, and reflecting on what he's learned as he prepares to retire in January of 2020. I really wanted to get kind of a high-level overview to start of just how you think about listening and, and the role that it it has played in your success uh, as a leader of a, a really successful healthcare system. Well, thank you. I you know I think listening is really critical, especially when you're trying to lead an organization through a lot of change, uh, and 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 it's important that you listen to the various stakeholders that you have to understand where they are, to understand if they're aligned with where you want to go, and that you hear what concerns they may have. And, um, you know, when when you're leading through change, it's difficult, and you want people to follow you during that change. And so while it's not critical that everybody supports the change that you want to make, you do have to have a significant enough cohort of people to make your change uh, successful. And people's uh, natural reaction is if you impose change on them, they tend to resist. Uh, what really helps is if you can explain why you feel the need for change and if you can hear people's concerns and validate their concerns and talk about what you will do to address those concerns, I think you can be far more successful in your change management. And people want to be feel valued and they want to have input and, and oftentimes what we have to remind ourselves is the very reason that people want to tell us stuff is because they care and they they're interested in our success so i think it's important to to listen to people and hear them now you know i will tell you that you know this listening part it, there's still an art to it and and there's 
uh, still things that I have learned. So, for example, uh, you, you have to know the audience that you're talking to and what they're looking for, what their bias is, what their point of view is, because that's going to color what they tell you. And so when you're talking with people, you need to be clear about what your intention is to do with what you hear. Are you, are you listening to them? Uh, a lot of times what they imagine is that you've actually already made up your, dis- your mind and you're just uh, listening to them and then want to talk them into what you've already decided. You need to be clear about whether you've made that decision or not. You need to be clear about what you're looking for and you have to be clear that you're looking for inputs from a variety of sources and obviously you can't take all of that advice but you can consider it all in making your decision and uh, so I think that's important I think listening is also more than just listening a a lot of times uh, listening has given me the opportunity to uh, better understand the perspective of the person or persons I'm talking to, but it's also an opportunity for me then to question them further and to better understand what they're uh, saying or why they're saying it or what their bias is or what their perspective is. And so uh, listening is is certainly has a large component of listening, but a lot of times it's also probing and seeking to understand. And then there are times uh, when listening that I've listened to them, but I also want to challenge them with a new thought. And I want them to think about uh, something from another vantage point and then react to it and give me their thoughts. So for me, listening has become a very interactive uh, process. I, I love that. Looking at it as not just a passive sitting there and, and absorbing, but um, interactive. So talk a little bit about that kind of iterative process of soliciting the feedback, listening, digesting it, responding to it, and, and building out a plan from there. What are some of the, the tools that you've used to listen and how do you go about kind of collecting and processing that information? Yeah, with a large organization like ours, with over 14,000 employees, uh, with quite a number of board and committee members, uh, and with about another thousand providers, uh, it's very challenging. And, And what you learn is that you've got to have multiple channels. So some of this involves... Uh, one-on-one discussion. Some of this involves attending a meeting and taking questions. I've done webinars and taken uh, questions at the end of the webinars. I've held forums and taken uh, Q&A at the end of the forums. And then sometimes people just uh, write me emails. I also have published a blog to try to explain some of the change that we're going through and and sometimes people have written in questions in that venue so it it really takes quite a few different modalities to make sure that you give everybody uh, a chance to interact with you that wants to especially when 
like in our health system, you have people that work days, you have people that work nights, you have people on the weekends, uh, you have people in more than 200 different clinics in more than eight different hospitals. Uh, it's really the only way that you really can involve them all. What about um, setting limits on that? So I, I was speaking with somebody last week and she talked about a project where they had, um, they were announcing something and part of the announcement was putting little door hangers on people's offices. And she had people come back mm-hmm. and say, well, I, I, never heard about that. And what they meant was, you know, somebody hadn't walked into the room and had a 15 minute face to face conversation because it just frankly was not practical. So where do you, uh, where do you draw the line, uh, between providing all those different channels and those different modalities and, and just having to, you know, say we can't do every single thing. Right. Well, I do think you have to start with the premise that, you know, it's, it's certainly not possible to communicate effectively with everyone in a system uh, our size. And so we certainly have employees that get emails and they just delete them. <laughs> they don't look at them. And, and we have physicians who uh, get busy and can't come to the forum or can't uh, join the webinar or can't respond to an email. So you're not going to reach everyone. I think the important thing is to give everybody the opportunity, whether they avail themselves of that or not is another question, and to make sure that you've given people availabilities at different times and days to make sure that they truly have an opportunity to engage if they want to. But there does come a point, especially when you're listening to solicit feedback before you make a decision that at some point you do have to say, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts and ideas, uh, your comments, your concerns, and I'll take those comments up to this date, uh, and then I plan to make a decision. Because if you drag it out too much, then it looks like uh, you're not capable of making decisions or you have decision uh, analysis paralysis it, you 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 get into trouble that way the other thing is you certainly don't want to be making a decision and then frequently revisiting it based on different input that you you got i'm not saying you could never revisit a decision but but if you uh, just keep on uh, revisiting the decision that can be very destructive What's kind of the gut feeling there for when you've collected enough information and say, okay, that's it, that's the, that's the cutoff point? You know, sometimes uh, a decision is time-sensitive, and you'll know when you have to make a, a decision by. Other times, especially at my level when I have to make the decision, it's oftentimes because executives underneath me are split, you know, it's it's oftentimes easier to make a, a decision when everybody's in agreement. That doesn't happen too often. And so I'll deal with situations where I have uh, a definite split among my executives about what route we should take. So what I will do is I will convene them. 
and I will let them both make their arguments for and against the different positions. I'll hear them out, and then what I will do is say, okay, I am going to take all of this into consideration, and I'm going to make my decision by Monday at four or, you know, some other timeline. And, and, you know, partly that's important so that your leaders know uh, that they're going to have a direction because uh, a lot of times, even though they do care about their a particular position, the big thing is they want to be able to move forward and they need to know how. Uh, so that puts a timeline on that. The other thing it does is there are some leaders that do have a challenge of making those tough decisions because they're uh, afraid to be wrong. Well, I mean, that's certainly going to be a risk and very seldom just taking a few more days uh, mitigate that risk. So what I do is I also set that timeline uh, so that it goes ahead and just puts a constraint on me. And, and it says, okay, I will make that decision by Monday at four. So I'm going to uh, consider it all over the weekend. I'm going to make that decision. And then, and then I think what's important is, first of all, that I meet that deadline because that demonstrates accountability. And then second is that uh, what I'll typically do is send out an explanation of my decision, thanking everyone that participated for their inputs, their points of view. Uh, seldom is it a matter that someone is right and someone is wrong. It's just a matter of trying to make the best decision among uh, various options. And so I'll thank them all. I'll indicate that it was a difficult decision. And then I'll say, here's what my decision is and here's why. And, and not everyone will agree with my reason why I made the decision, but most everyone will appreciate that I cared enough to explain how I made my decision and to let them know about that. 